I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. We acknowledge the traditional owners of country throughout Australia and recognize their continuing connection to land, waters, and culture. We pay our respects to their elders past, present, and emerging. Welcome to This Song Is Yours, a music podcast where we chat to a new guest each week, talk about their life and creative endeavours, and talk to them about some of the music they love. Our show works by chatting to our guests about music, their songwriting techniques, and occasionally getting them to make you a playlist of the songs they love. Welcome to episode 125. I'm your host, Simon Fink. Our guest today is Slumberjack. The electronic duo from Perth, Australia, releasing their debut record this week, entitled Dichotomy. In today's episode, we're speaking with Morgan and Fletcher from the band about making their record on laptops alone, how certain ideas for the record came together, and the jazz version of the Harry Potter soundtrack. Here we go. Our guests today are an electronic duo from Perth, Australia. Having graced the Aussie music scene for almost 10 years, the duo have worked with artists like What's So Not and Daniel Johns. They've released only EPs and singles up until now, and the group are releasing their first full-length record this Friday, entitled Dichotomy. Please welcome to This Song Is Yours, Fletcher and Morgan from Slumberjack. Hello, gentlemen. How are we? Hello, hello. How's that? Very good. Very good. That's good. That's good. Uh, It's a a big week for yourselves, so congratulations. I think uh, it's, yeah, this week we're receiving the long-awaited, much-anticipated full-length uh, LP from from yourselves. So congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, we're excited. It's, uh, it's been a long time coming and we're very excited to have it finally out on Friday. Yeah, of course. It is, um, I think, trying to go back and have a look over the, the body of work that you guys have previously released. We've got EPs, we've got solo singles, remixes, a number of things, but it has been almost a decade that Slumberjack have kind of been working on music and releasing music what made 2022 the right time for the full length to to finally kind of be put out into the world? I don't know whether it was the right time or was it a combination of both the pandemic and us um, having finally some downtime to work on a larger body of work. Um, In the past, you know, pre-pandemic, Fletch and I were just usually on the road so much that it's it's harder to sort of focus on a body of work that's going to sound cohesive. But now having that sort of forced vacation, we could sit down and and really plan this project out properly. That's that's sort of how the the idea of the album, well, the the execution of the album started out. The idea had had always been there, um, but you know it, it, it kind of took. COVID to let us realize that, that we are now capable of doing, doing this. Yeah, of course. The, I feel like COVID kind of, um, especially for a lot of electronic musicians that we've spoken to, that it allowed, the pandemic kind of allowed people to take a step back and maybe less 
workshopping stuff on the road and be able to kind of really give space to to a number of um, projects or just songs that they've been working on that you found that was the same for yourselves? Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we it was just kind of like a much-needed break for us to just recollect and be able to sit down and go to the studio, you know, every day or be thinking about music every day and not have these other distractions going on at the same time. For the songwriting process for Slumberjack, is that... I guess, what was it previously, like when you were on the road, was because you're both producers, was it that you'd kind of mm. bounce ideas off one another or play little bits to one another? Or, yeah, what was the usual process like back po- uh, pre-pandemic, sorry? I mean, mostly the same, just that we would get less time to do it and we'd be, you know, we'd have shows on the weekend, so that would always kind of be in the back of your mind, getting ready for the shows, hunting for new music. Uh, we do all our own visuals for the shows as well, so that... Takes up, took a, up a, yeah. a lot of time, especially with the live show, which is, um, you know, you got to keep your chops up on on playing the songs and <laughs> knowing your chords and things. So, uh, you know, there's just it's a lot of mental energy, and, and we love that aspect of the of the project. And and playing in front of audiences is kind of why we make the music, so we can do that stuff. But uh, it's nice to just not have to think about that for a bit, and then you can just fully get into to writing mode. Yeah. Yeah, of course. The um, the new record is entitled uh, Dichotomy and it is a beautiful sounding record. We have had a bit of a sneak peek um, awesome. and it is a gorgeous record. It's huge in scope and in sound and in production, which I kind of expected with uh, the previous work that you have put out, but it is, I guess what I didn't expect was it kind of genre bends track to track and covers like this wide ranging array of, um, I feel like there's some songs that are kind of almost like stadium ready, almost pop bangers or like, you know, like that kind of stuff. And then there's uh, certain tracks that are, I feel like are built for the club, especially (laughs) Um, when you guys kind of set out with the album, was it an intentional thing that you kind of wanted to to cover a number of, I guess a number of genres or look at a different number of musical kind of landscapes. Um, well, no, the, the purpose of the album was that we gave, gave us of the breadth and the capacity to be able to do the other genres that otherwise would not, uh, that would not have experimented. Uh, had we gone down, had we kept going down the singles and EP, uh, release route. Right. Because when we do singles, you got to always think about, well, you know, will this work for the dance floor and or the radio? Or if you have an EP, there's always this argument about keeping an EP cohesive. But an album, sure, you have that cohesive argument, but also you have, you know, 10, 12, 15 tracks to sort of have the time to transition into different genres and not feel too jarring for the audience. Um, And knowing that we had that space, we just sort of write whatever we could and then curated all the ideas into, into, into a specific sound. Um, and that, that just, it could mean we were genre hopping or, or tempo shifting. We, we didn't really box ourselves into just, you know, trap musicians that, as, as I think a lot of publications in the past would refer us to dichotomy was kind of our way of also stepping out of it and, and not having to justify it too much, not having to go, you know, we're changing our sound. We're, we're not, this is, 
this is our first album and this is the sound we want to explore for this album, you know, and for the next album, maybe Fletch and I might go down a different path. And we never really felt the need to justify ourselves. We just put out what we think is really cool for us and trust the process, trust that the fans will come along uh, for the journey. A hundred percent. It, um, it does sound like an evolution of the band's music, having listened to uh, previous work, I think my introduction to you was from the track you did with Alice in Wonderland back in 2015. Mm. Wow. Um, and yeah, there was still elements of that Slumberjack in this record, but definitely an evolution where it sounds like you guys are kind of pushing, pushing, like just pushing boundaries a little bit and kind of growing that sound. Yeah. Um, we, I think as, as we got older, in this project, or, or I guess we also became a little bit wiser. We, we knew how to use, we now know, you know, our technology better. We could achieve the sounds we wanted to, um, you know, achieve. Like we, we had demos for this album too, that were two, three, four years old even. And at the time, Fletch and I had the idea, but we didn't have the necessary skill set to pull it off. And now after, you know, living overseas and then coming back here and just spending all this time working with producers that we look up to, um, people who we look up to are now are friends of ours as well. So we've learned so much. Um, then we got a chance to sit down during the pandemic, look back into the demos that we thought were futuristic for its time, but now we're ready because we, our skill set has caught up. So then we just took those and applied our, you know, current knowledge to it and voila, we got tracks on dichotomy. <laughs> of course. The um, one thing I guess I'm curious about, and I know that you were, as you mentioned, kind of living in LA for a little while and now back in, in Australia, um, is that the album, and please correct me if I'm wrong, was mainly, I think, recorded, or so mainly done on just your laptops, like no hardware, nothing else, which I find very impressive in terms of like technology and mm. how things have come along. Is this something that you guys, uh, will basically moving forward, we will just see you guys with laptops and no other hardware or is it? <laughs> yeah. So this was kind of the challenge for us with this album. And the reason, well, one of the main reasons we chose to do it this way is so that we could have the flexibility to kind of move around and produce anywhere. So we had a studio set up in Perth, um, when we were writing most of the album but it was important to us to be able to, you know, write, you know, work on the music at home, you know, in the evening. I, I remember, you know, a lot of the key riffs and ideas for the track, mm. for tracks came up not in that studio. It was when I was, you know, just got out of the shower at home and had an idea on a run to my laptop and, and get it down. And it was important that I, I feel like I can open up my laptop and work and not feel like I'm missing out on anything. Like, Oh, I have to be at the studio because that's where all the whole setup is. or that's where all the speakers are. I just want to be able to open my laptop, plug my headphones in and that, and, and be comfortable and confident and know that this is the setup. This is everything I need and yeah. I can do this anywhere. Um, we, so now, especially now that I, I live in Sydney, Morgan's in Perth, uh, that's important again, because you know, we, we, we can't uh, share, hard we can't way. share the gear and we, we don't have our own separate gear. So, you know, it's, it's nice to just be able to work on the laptop. You know, for, for a while there, when we were traveling a lot as well, um, it all comes down to simplicity and convenience and ease of translation. Um, 
so yeah, having having the laptop basically it's it's sort of like a like a voice memo thing. We're we're really proficient with the software that we use. Any idea that comes to mind, we can just lay it immediately. Uh, and also not having the excuse. Um, I think that's more that's quite important to think about. Is that when we don't have a studio to go go to? I think a lot of um, a lot of times we we do hear musicians you know use that as sort of like a procrastination or an excuse, uh, but we don't anymore. And at this moment, we don't even have a shared studio space anymore. We just work remotely, uh, except for now because I'm in Sydney. Um, but just having the, com- the computer being the the end all that's that was always the um, the, the goal, you know, we, we have everything we need, Like we have an orchestra in there. We got a rock band in there. We got a jazz band. We got, we got everything. With that kind of, um, working arrangement, I guess, do you guys find that ideas will turn into almost fully formed songs before you kind of realize you'll write down an idea and then all of a sudden you'll send a demo to one another or that it's a lot more formed than previously thought uh, so yeah, we always have this problem where usually a song is a fully formed idea after the first day yeah, and then it takes two years to finish it, you know, like we'll write, we'll write the idea and, and it'll be amazing. We'll be stoked on it, you know, see you at the Grammys kind of thing. And, and then we spend two more years fiddling around with the most minute stuff, which is so important to make it sound like a polished finished track. Mm. But in terms of the changes that get made, it's very minimal. Well, it's, it's the, the way I look at it, it's also a summation of tiny minimal things. And then it's like a grain of sand. You put them all together, you got this beach, right? Um, but, you know, you, we might do a session where we tweak this one thing and you can walk out of the studio session thinking to yourself, you've done nothing. You're like, oh, hang on a minute. Does anybody care about that thing? But then you can continually do that, you know, over the course of a week, two weeks. And eventually we work on songs that, you know, we've been tweaking for a year or two. And then it comes out. And then because you're like the frog in boiling water, you go and listen to the first demo and you realize why you did all that. And that, that becomes worth it. You realize, had you not gone through all those tiny little changes, those mm. seemingly um, petty, you know, irrelevant changes, and the, you have never a- arrived to, you know, the the I gave masterpiece that you would have today. So we we tend to remind ourselves of that, and then the most of the time, like what Fletch said, we have our ideas on our first session, first one or two, uh, first or second session, and then the rest of the project is arranging which ideas to present itself when and then also cutting back the fat because there's two of us we have the classic case of um uh too many chefs in the kitchen so we end up having to strip the fat away and then i mean we've done this for nearly a a decade now and we still struggle with nostalgia we still struggle with you know like oh no that idea is cool or you know typical musician's ego, but it's good. Like Fletch and I have this really good working relationship where um, eventually somehow we just balance each other. I could easily see from his point of view and he could see from mine. Um, so yeah, we're very lucky to, to have that. How did the two of you actually, um, I guess talking, well, yeah, looking at origin stories, how did the two of you kind of meet and form Slumberjack or how did that kind of come into place? So uh, we both actually entered this DJ competition uh, in Perth, uh, Australia, and I won in 2011, I believe. Morgan won 12. in 2012. Mm-hmm. Um, and so after that, I sort of had to go and size him up, see who my, <laughs> see who my uh, successor was for this for this competition. The man and that took the crown. 
<laughs> we got to the studio, um, both pretty terrible at making music at that point. We made some kind of wacky One, uh, yeah, drum was, and bass. Thing. Yeah, there was there was synergy. There was synergy. Fletch was making glitch hop. Yeah. And I was I was trying to write music, but I, I didn't know how to use the software that we could like able we're using Ableton enough. So Fletch taught me um, most of Ableton. So we yeah, like it's, like Fletch said, we met at that like in the awards night and then uh, a couple months later, we hung out in the studio. We never thought it was going to be a long-term project. We just thought, "Hey, you're doing a solo thing. We're we're doing, and each of us are doing this, you know, solo-ish thing. Let's collaborate. It'll be a big Perth thing." It wasn't, um, but the idea that Slumberjack got was was born because the music we ended up writing. I uh, was so different from the stuff that we were doing in, in solo and also really chill as it, it was near, it was more chill, um, hip hop, like lo-fi hip hop than it was trap or whatever genre you, you know, people consider us today. Hence the word slumberjack. Fletcher actually came out with it. He, he just came up, Hey, we make really relaxing music. Let's just use the word slumber in it. And slumberjack came about and we kind of just went with it. And here we are, you know, seven years later. It does kind of strike me as like a. Mom deserves the best and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings from premium gifts to show stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15 stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Beautiful mix. I think in my research, I, and I might have got this wrong, so please correct me. Who was the, there was one person who was more musical theory kind of? <laughs> me. And then Fletcher was a technical. Um, I remember our first session, he came in with his laptop, whipped out Ableton and then connected to my, my speakers and we were writing music. And I was over at the piano on a score sheet, writing chords. And he's like, what are you doing? I was like, I'm writing. He's like, what do you mean? This it face this way. I was like, no, you need this. Then we can translate to that. So the synergy was really like integral early on, um, within, within Slumberjack. It was like, we were always bringing different skill set to the project. So I think that worked really well. There wasn't a lot of like, I wasn't telling Fletch what kicks to use. I wasn't telling him like this reverb was better because that that's his domain. And then songwriting was my domain. But over the years now we have completely evened out. So the beauty about that is that we both trust each other's judgment. Like whatever chords Fletcher writes now, I know that is um, influenced by, you know, being, you know, hanging out with me. And then the, the production techniques I've learned uh, is influenced by hanging out with Fletch. So that's um, a lot of like healthy trust going on there that we don't have to always look over each other's shoulders anymore. And yeah, it's, 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 it, it, it was really, really helpful doing that. That's very cool. I think that's, um, 
well, like any good partnership, that's kind of how it should work. But I'm glad to hear, obviously, that it it kind of does have that natural flow of um, mutual trust between the two of you. With uh, going back to dichotomy, I know it's kind of always a bit of a silly question to ask the parents, you know, who the favourite kid is. But at the <laughs> moment, as of today, do yeah, do you both have like a favourite track or one that kind of stands out as a as a high point? We both agree on this one, I think. I yeah, think of our twelve children on the album, <laughs> um, starts with A. Yeah, so the track is Arc Second. Arc Second yeah. is our favourite. Is our favourite track. Um, it's in the middle of the album, it's. It kind of goes through these three phases of, of like a really moody intro and then a very Slumberjack-esque instrumental beatsy yeah. uh, instrumental section and then finishes on this crazy um, c- cinematic vocal um, orchestral, orchestral part. Yeah. yeah. Um, we, that, we, would, we were just earlier today, earlier today we were just doing like some press quotes or something like that and, and we we're just thinking about... Um, what arc second really meant to us and and in, in a in a nutshell it's the most it's the most slumberjacky slumberjack track in, you know so it's in one song are you able to elaborate on that kind of sentence on, on how um, is it okay so when fletch and i first started like figuring out our, our own sound he had that he had a glitch hop influence which i think in the current world with the drum and the resurgence of drum and bass, it's called half step or half time. But back in those days, all neuro funk. But glitch hop was kind of like the start of it, and Fletch was kind of was producing that to a to a very high level. Um, uh, and then I came in, I was like, hang on a minute, why does music like that only have one note? And I was thinking it's always just the same chords because harmony wasn't integral to that music. The, the important part was the the swing and the, the drum design and the the, nice. the, the the bass and the crazy sounds that come and then grab you for like half a second and then we throw another pad at you. Um, so that kind of came together and I brought in world music influences because I was in a world music band in Malaysia. And then from there on, we had this, and if you listen to this, you know, all stuff that we had, like our touched um, bootleg of What's On Us song, um, we started using Tibetan vocals and then Fletcher started looking at uh, Indian drums and I started looking at an Arabic you know, flutes and then Japanese shakuhachi. So eventually that took a huge part in, in our, our musical pantry. That's our ingredients are that we always reach for those sounds. Um, and we never really did pepper a whole song with it because, um, like I said, like we said earlier on, we had that limitation of EP and, and singles. We didn't want to go to experimental, um, but come to this album, we had this, we had a free range. We have one track that we can go crazy. We have four minutes. We can do whatever we want. <laughs> and like we started off just thinking about this song in, in and, and sort of work backwards. We want a cinematic. Okay, we got that. We can do orchestral. We can do crazy vocals. We even got in touch with um, our, our good friend Tori from um, LA. And she does vocals for like Captain Marvel and like all these big Hollywood things. And she's worked with Hans Zimmer as well. And Fletcher went in, went nuts on the drums, went crazy on the um, Indian violin sampling. He even used like Sufi vocals on it. We started with Hans Zimmer, um, Foghorns and Ethereal <laughs> Starts, just everything in one. And then it took a long time for us to polish it into something that is cohesive and palatable. It, it took, because it was so nuts, right? It's, it's like making a new dish. You just got to hope people enjoy that. And it's still eat, like, you know, enjoyable. It is a beautiful track, and I, I did kind of want to touch on 
Um, I know you mentioned Tori, and I know there's quite a few other guests on the record um, that I feel what we were discussing before in terms of all the kind of different genres that it adds to to that as well. I know there's Nicole Miller, Kite String Tangle, um, Lucy Lucy. I think my favourite track on the album was And I. Is it And I? Okay. Um, ha, that is interesting. It's, <laughs> Very interesting. It's the drums really? in the second half. It's like the live drums that kind of come in in that second half that just I wasn't expecting but loved the second I heard it. Um, what? That's interesting. That's, that's <laughs> can, <very> interesting. <laughs> um, for, for you guys, when you are kind of collaborating and, and especially because it is the first full-length LP, uh, yeah. what are you looking for in terms of collaborators or like what is it when you're looking at that full track list that you like we should have Lucy Lucy on this or we should have Nicole Miller on this? So for this album we kind of wanted to work with all the people who we had formed great relationships with and who we knew could get the job done. So like over the last however many years we've been making music, we've, we've come across a lot of vocalists and, and, and producers and um, collaborators and we know who we work well with. And I think a lot of, a lot of artists sort of work with people because it's a good look for, for the album or it's, you know, it's a, they're a big name and they want to have kind of like a co-sign type of situation. Um, and for this album, we really just kind of wanted to work with the people who we felt that we had a great vibe with. And so like, for example, the perfect, the perfect example of that is Sydney Carter. So we, we did afraid unafraid. She has a great voice. She always nails it in the Ooh, first, first take. Her. Like she, she is an amazing, an amazing artist. And we knew we wanted to work with her again. So she was one of the first that we, we reached out to. Um, Lucy Lucy was introduced to us through uh, What's Her Not, who worked with a bunch in the past, and he said, hey, you know, you guys should definitely work together, and, you know, we trust his judgment, and, and we, we loved her voice and instantly worked with her on Better Off, and then she also provided some some vocals for another one of the other tracks, Paradox. Yeah. So it was just kind of about forming this, like, tight group of, of people who we... Who we uh, knew could nail it and and um, just getting them to to help us out on the album. We, yeah, we try to we try to eliminate as much as the as much of the marketing side when we're trying to write for the, when we're trying to write for this album. Like Fletch said, it's just it could be upcoming producers. For example, our opening track it's literally an upcoming producer, oddly godly. Um, we we did some online streaming stuff for a bit, and he was in the chat and. He hit us up on Instagram and sent us a demo, and we heard it. We're like, "Holy crap! This is really good." We actually want, we want to work on it. Work, work on it, and we, we worked on it. We didn't think it was going to be on an album. When it was done, I was like, "Oh wow! It, it actually fit as the intro." So there you have it. It wasn't really about like getting labels and people in suits talking about who you should get. It was just me and Fletch cold calling some people, <laughs> hanging out with some people, and you know, back to the original ways of making music. You mm. like that person, you work with them. If you don't like the style of music, don't ask, you know? That's very fair. I can respect that. Do you guys find that you're kind of, with no disrespect to the marketing or to the labels or anyone like that, do you guys find that you are kind of, that you're approached by other artists or by labels to kind of be their co-sign or for them to be able to work with you? Do we? I don't think so. Maybe, well, maybe we're just oblivious to it. Yeah, maybe maybe <laughs> our team just doesn't let us know. <laughs> but, well, like, you know, people people obviously hit us up to 
to work on stuff all the time and we we you know we just work on things that we vibe with if we like the tune and we want to work on it then yeah. of course and if and if it's not a great track or we're not feeling it then you know we just don't it's yeah such and i are very honest in that in that artistic integrity part I, no like we we like some people as as mates but some demos come through and if we are not feeling if we're not feeling it we won't work on it that's pretty pretty much our you know decision making key it's just whether we like the track or not you know regardless of the regardless of the person's um you know status or stature or whatever yeah 100 percent. i think that's the most kind of uh not in an insulting way, but I think sometimes basics work. I think that's the most basic kind of way to do it if, well, if you're feeling it. Yeah. yeah, It produces the best work, right? I mean, if not having to force something. Yeah, definitely. Um, with Dichotomy, the record being out now, and I know obviously around Australia, it is a little bit difficult at the moment. With Borders, everything else, it is a huge uh, record, as we've said. Can we expect at any point sometime soon to see you guys taking it on the road? Absolutely. Um, we are working on a bunch of dates all around the country and we will be announcing them very soon, but not yet. But not yet. <laughs> That's very exciting. We will obviously uh, keep whoever's listening posted uh, when those are announced. Um, for yourselves, guys, uh, we usually uh, ask, I guess, what they're currently listening to, if there's a record or a single EP track, whatever it may be, uh, that's currently got your fancy. Is there anything that, uh, yeah that is getting a thorough spin at the moment? Our own songs or songs that we just currently are oh, currently listening Huh. What are you listening to? Well, I actually jumped in the car with Morgan the other day. And he was spinning the the jazz version of the Harry Potter soundtrack. I was just about to say that. <laughs> Have you heard it? It's his, his, his band, uh, Mark, Mark Kramer. Um, and he, I'm just going through this Harry Potter phase again. I was listening to the Stephen Fry audiobook and then eventually binge watched the whole movie series again. Um, but Mark Kramer on, you know, streaming services, go Google his stuff. Um, Harry Potter jazz tribute. It's, it's not, it's, it's not one of those cheesy jazz like renditions. It's not elevator jazz. It's, it's like good jazz. So go check it out. That's something I we've been listening to. I'm so curious about this because I imagine that when you do read or like hear of like tributes to movies or whatever, sometimes it can come across as slightly cheesy to, to yeah. use the phrase that you used. Um, what is it that sets this one apart or what is it that's... The minimalistic nature of that record. It's, it's, a, it's double bass, it's a piano and brush drums. That's it. It's a three-piece. Well, at least it sounds like a three-piece. And it's just the most impressive chops. You will hear John Williams in it, and then you hear it being jazzified. And a lot of people don't know, John Williams is a huge um, jazz guy. Like All his Harry Potter stuff is so jazz-based. People think it's classical, but it's jazz. It's so good. Do you think that you could go back and re... What's the word? Not re-score. If they were to replace the original soundtrack with this, would it work as well? Or would it change? Would it be a very different movie? <laughs> it would not work um, at all. <laughs> I think it would work if it, I don't know if you know the Harry Potter series that much. I think it might work while it's in that Christmas scene. Every time it's mm. winter for them, and when they go to Hogsmeade Village, mm -hmm. that's when it will work. Not the school. The school had that really regal 
stringy sound. Mm-hmm. But when you're in Hogsmeade or Nocturne Alley, Nocturne Alley and like Diagon Alley will be perfect for jazz. It's grungy, it's dirty, it's quick step stuff, you know, boom, 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 boom. Like it's so good. <laughs> I've never thought of it framed like that. And now, well, yes, after after this interview, I'm going to go and listen and possibly try and sync it up with the movie and see how it, see how it plays <laughs> go out. Check it out. <laughs> um, Fletcher and Morgan, thank you very much uh, for your time today. I do appreciate it. Congre- thank you for having excuse us. Excuse me. Congratulations on Dichotomy, uh, the new record from Slumberjack. Thank, thank you. you so much. Really appreciate this. our show a massive thank you to morgan and fletcher from slumberjack for their time dichotomy is out this friday and we've left links in the show notes if you'd like to buy the record we also want to give a huge shout out to Jaden that sweated out for helping out with today's interview if you like this show please subscribe wherever you get your pods and stay up to date when new episodes are released we release new shows each wednesday and friday morning and we now have a patreon which you can find within the show notes of this episode You can follow the player's profile on Spotify and you can follow us on Instagram, Facebook and TikTok. Until next week, cheers. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.